Next on BYU Sports Nation, all hands on deck for the Pirates of East Carolina. BYU's top 25 relevance push continues on Saturday. East Carolina head coach Ruffin McNeil joins the program. Who is he starting at quarterback on Saturday? Plus, the dude, former NFL and BYU quarterback John Beck returns for his weekly conversation. Beat the Pirates. Let's go. This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store. Simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. We are live once again, BYU Sports Nation and Radio Vision, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Thursday, October 8th, wherever and however you're dialed in, great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, alongside a man who owns 17 credit cards, Jerem Jordan. Not that many, that's for sure. You got to oh. be careful. You got to get a good credit score, you know? 16 credit cards, Jerem Jordan. Oh, what? How no. many of those have zero balances, dude? We're not discussing my <laughs> credit cards on the air. <laughs> there's no issue there. Yeah, of course there's not. You're the, one of the most financially sound people that I know. Thank you. I just keep seeing all those Capital One Venture Card commercials with Jennifer Garner and being like, is that something people are doing? Should I do that? What? They had, the, they had the Vikings thing going for a while. Oh, yeah. yeah. Jennifer Garner, greater than Vikings? I think we can all agree on that. Yeah, that's, that's an affirmative, sir. That's, that's pretty That's, that's an affirmative. Got a tweet in from at Googs53, member of BYU Sports Nation. Yeah. What's up, Austin Hansen? He said, I got some new swag in the mail today and took a picture of his blue goggles. Awesome. Austin, thank you for joining the blue goggle movement on BYU Sports at Nation. At Hobosita, one of the greatest Twitter names out there, had that. Uh, same uh, same kind of tweet on Saturday. She said she was feeling the karma. Welcome, friends. Or was it Friday? It's a great day to be a member of BYU Sports Nation. Speaking of the blue goggles, another tweet yesterday from Cole Wilstead, member of the BYU baseball team. He is asking for BYU to get rid of the hat stack that they do as the rally cap in the dugout in the ninth inning and instead replace it with blue goggles. <laughs> and hey, I I'm said, all in favor. Coach, Coach Little would make it happen, and he said anything for a win. We're going, we're going to need to make that happen. Yeah, Blue goggles in the dugout in the ninth inning during a rally, that would be amazing. At Durant, Mark also said this. I'm a big fan of Spencer Linton and Jim Jordan. Thank you, Mark. Th- then there's this. They're like the sons I never had if I didn't have the three sons that I do. <laughs> can we get that guy some blue goggles? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely, we can get Mark Durant some goggles. He is him- ponderizing on these things from his older brother. Wow. We need a movement going, all the Twitter avatar people wearing blue goggles. Oh, yeah. That'd be cool. Oh, yeah. Here are today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. Former BYU running back Vi Sikahem has been named a member of the Polynesian Football Hall of Fame's 2016 class. Sikahem, a two-time Pro Bowl selection in the National Football League. Congratulations. Yeah, big congrats to Vi. That's awesome. Jimmer Fredette is back in action tonight. The San Antonio Spurs begin preseason play against the Sacramento Kings. Interesting. The team of yesteryear. For Jameer uh, at 10 Eastern. It's the revenge tour. <laughs> revenge. For Jameer. Make the team first, and then you can have your revenge in the postseason. The 15th ranked, ranked BYU women's volleyball on the road tonight at Pacific West Coast Conference Clash on ESPNU. You can watch it live at 11 p.m. Eastern. What else? I'm, I, can't, I can't wait, man. And women's golf wins the Aggie Invitational on the back of three top five finishes from the Cougar golfers. Kendra Dalton. Was on the show, leveraged karma. She finished in second, tied with teammate Alex White. And then Rose Huang tied for fourth. Nicely done by the ladies. Two wins in three tournaments this season. 
The karma is real. Ask Kendra. She's tweeted about it. She said, it works. And she is a testament of that. On that note, rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Now, don't sleep on East Carolina. They're next. Take it from ESPN College Football Insider Trevor Maddich. Don't sleep on East Carolina. BYU an eight-point favorite over the ECU Pirates Saturday night, 7.30 p.m. Eastern, live on ESPNU. But how much are you buying into that? This marks just the second game BYU has been favored in this season, the other being UConn. Now, we talked all about how BYU remains nationally relevant as an independent college football team on yesterday's show. And it starts with being ranked in the top 25. Style points help out there win 10 or more games. That is relevance for BYU as an independent. Jeremy, I can tell you this much. If BYU does not beat ECU on Saturday, 99% chance they will not be ranked again this season. Yeah, because there are tougher games than ECU on the schedule. Cincinnati next week to me is a really tough game. Maybe BYU's toughest game left. We'll see. And that's from a 3-2 and two team that's not a power five. Missouri is 4-1, but they're about to lose some games. They're going to play has a shown tough us, schedule. Yeah, history has shown us that if BYU drops out of the top 25, something special needs to happen. You need to win Ten a bunch a row, of games yeah. in a row to get back in. Six, to the seven, rankings. eight, nine, BYU, you know, six, seven, and nine in particular, BYU started, um, you know, started the season with a loss early and then had to climb its way back. Uh, 08, the quest for perfection. BYU's, what, 5-0, 6-0. They lose TCU. Still finished as a ranked team because they had three losses or less. That's how you finished ranked. So BYU, if they want to finish ranked, has, is going to have, to have one more loss or less, right? So ECU is, is a game that BYU needs to win. Needs to win. I don't, I don't want to say must win. It's not for the not for something. The something is relevance, which is the deepest shade of gray. It's tough. This is a sneaky good team, however. So if you are chalking up BYU beating East Carolina, uh, it's a win. It's not San Jose State or Fresno State. Tim. Hold that thought. And that brings us to today's Twitter question. What, what level of concern do you – just give me a second. Okay. <laughs> what level of concern do you have for the ECU game? So use hashtag BYUSN, tweet in uh, your responses at – what is it? Siskaroo? Yes. Can I read this one? Yeah. He says, I matey, it behooveth BYU to have ye cannons and crew ready, lest the privateers take advantage of their folly. Jake and the Neverland Pirates <laughs> and me. Nicely done at Cisco Rue. Beat the Pirates. Yeah. Not as simple as it may sound. East Carolina is a good football team. Nobody knows it better than our BYU TV college football insider, Blaine Fowler. East Carolina is a very talented team. Team speed is going to be a a big issue for BYU because this East Carolina team, historically and again this year, when I watch them on on tape, I'm very impressed with their team speed. Blaine Fowler told us earlier this week to watch out for East Carolina. Also, Trevor Maddich. Can we play the Maddich bite again? Now, don't sleep on East Carolina. They're next. You heard that, it from the man. That didn't sound doctored at all from a previous <laughs> soundbite that's played on the show regularly. Now, in all seriousness, <laughs> this is a team. This is a team. Blaine mentioned the team speed. 
But on third down, Jerem, they are amazing. Which brings us to the stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. ECU leads the nation in third down conversions at 55%. That's really good. Now, defensively, they're 96. They give up 47%. But on offense, they are the best team in America and Canada. Maybe the American con. I don't know what Mexican football stats are looking like right now. But ECU is 55%. That's, That's really good. That's really good. So BYU is going to have to play some good defense. Now, it starts on first and second down, and we'll talk to head coach Ruffin McNeil, the East Carolina head coach, coming up. Why are they number one? What are they doing? Who are they going to start at quarterback? Because this James Summers guy has been fantastic in the last two games off the bench. Now, I agree with you that ECU is a team that maybe BYU fans are overlooking. Don't sleep on them, says Trevor Maddich. They have beaten Virginia Tech. They have challenged Florida. They had the ball at the 30-yard line down seven at the end of the game, and then turned it over. So they had a chance to tie, maybe win that game in the Swamp. Florida's 5-0, and undefeated, obviously undefeated, ranked. Now, the, game, the, the other game they lost was to Navy. Navy is proving to be a solid team. I believe they're 4-0. They're going to play at Notre Dame this week. We'll see how good Navy is. Now, we heard yesterday from the voice of the ECU Pirates, that Jeff Charles, that that Navy game was the big head-scratcher. East Carolina played, apparently, a horrible game against Navy. And, and Navy Navy has a really good rushing attack. Keenan Reynolds is going to set the career rushing touchdown record for all players. He's really good. ECU, now I don't sleep on them because this is one of the better group of five type teams, right? They're not a tier one group of five team like a Cincinnati, like a Boise State, right now a Toledo. Okay, I put ECU in the next in the next category. They're, they're on par with BYU. And the thing with East Carolina is they get some of the power five scraps. That's not meant to be a diss. That's meant to be a compliment in that there are some guys who, for whatever reason, were overlooked at, say, SEC or ACC schools in that region of the country. They find their way to East Carolina, and they play good football. And they're a team that has won five in a row against the ACC. Last year was a ranked team early in the season after they took it to North Carolina and put up 70. Now, they've lost some major weapons. Justin Hardy is the FBS receptions leader all time, gone at receiver. Then the quarterback, obviously, Shane Carden, uh, offensive uh, awesomeness, gone. The offense coordinator, gone. So they're missing some pieces. Kurt Benkert was the starting quarterback. But the after of the year, losing all that. ACL. After Yet losing all that, they're still term. three and two with uh, losses that I can respect. As you pointed out, they beat Virginia Tech. Back-to-back years, they have taken down the Hokies. Close loss at Florida. How much better does that look now on the resume because of what Florida has done? and a bad game against Navy. And I would tell you BYU fans this. You don't want people to look at BYU from a national lens based on just the Michigan game, correct? You have to do something to offset that. You have to continue to win. You have to win a bunch of games. If, B- if, if BYU can burn through October undefeated at home, you, you get back some positive credit from what you lost in Ann Arbor. ECU trying to do the same thing. You got blown up against Navy. They're and, trying to win a bunch of games and, and to get a, relevant again, get back in the AAC and, title and it's conversation. Because, because, yes, they can lean on conference context. BYU cannot, therefore, you just have to win a bunch of games in a row to, to get back on the map. Unless BYU throws another Hail Mary to win a game, they're going to have to win a bunch of games to get noticed. Two evenly matched teams. BYU will be tested by that dual quarterback situation that East Carolina has. Kemp, Summers, You have to scheme against both of them, both entirely different players. Don't sleep on East Carolina. Don't sleep on East Carolina. They're next. That's right. 
Trevor Maddox. That wasn't doctored at all. Yet, I think BYU is going to win this game. I think BYU is going to play a good game. I think defensively, BYU is going to show up like they did against UConn. I think the offense limits the turnovers. And I think BYU wins this game by double digits. I don't think BYU as a team is sleeping on East Carolina at all. It's more, it's more the fan base. Because you look at BYU's home schedule and you go, okay, what's there? I don't see any Power Fives. Well, I see Boise State. I see Cincinnati, who to me is a good team. I see East Carolina. I like those three. Now, the other three... There's a little left to be desired, but you're going to have some of those teams on the schedule. It's fine. Uh, so this, is, this, to me, is the third best home game BYU's got all year. Plus, they're wearing the Royals, Royal Tops. It's homecoming week. I think this is, this is an interesting uh, weekend. Conversation happening right now on Twitter. Use the hashtag BYUSN. Join BYU Sports Nation with our Twitter conversation today. What level of concern do you have for the ECU-BYU game? Let's get some of your tweets. It's Twitter time. At Laser Sheep tweets this in. I'm somewhere between levels of, oh, great, we're out of milk. And I forgot to do my home teaching. I'm not really sure what <laughs> feeling that is. I, why? Because you home teach every well, month no, in your I'm church? Just, I'm, I'm trying to gauge how concerned he is. <laughs> this is uh, I don't know. <laughs> Up next on BYU Sports Nation, John Beck. How concerned is the former quarterback about the Pirates coming to Pro Bowl. Find his gun! BYU Sports Nation presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Simulcast on BYU Radio, moving pictures on BYU TV. Our conversation happening right this second on Twitter. Follow at BYU Sports Nation and use the hashtag BYUSN. Amanana tomorrow will be at Deseret First Credit Union on the southeast part of uh, of campus at noon Eastern time. If you're local, you want to come hang out, they're going to give out some swag. Uh, you can come meet Spencer Linton. It's going to be great. Tomorrow we're live from Deseret First Credit Union on the southeast part of campus. Speak American, Jerem. Okay. Enough of this Amanana stuff. At P underscore Norton. Is it just me, or did Jerem Jordan, does Jerem Jordan look like a lumberjack who got struck by a rainbow today? <laughs> that's, a, that's a pretty accurate description. <laughs> Point P. Norton. <laughs> At least it doesn't have a stain on it, man. Well, who knows? Shirt's looking clean today. Who knows? So, yeah, the rainbow lumberjack shirt. Well, yeah. Oh, that's really funny. What level of concern do you have for the ECU game? That is our Twitter question today. <laughs> At JSJ35 says, the in the Cougar Club tent third quarter is about to start, but I haven't visited the chocolate fountain yet level. So, not, All of these, so like, it's kind of concerned, but yeah, not really. that's kind of the feeling okay. I'm getting yeah. is yeah. Kind, kind of concerned. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline for the second consecutive week, former NFL and BYU quarterback John Beck. John, are you ready to begin your new calling in life as a weekly guest on BYU Sports Nation? I'm ready for it, guys. <laughs> okay, we're ready to go. Uh, first question: This is a <clears throat> this is a doozy, man. When are you joining Twitter, John? Oh, uh, you know what? That's actually something I've been trying to figure out these last couple weeks. Knowing, all right, I'm stepping into this new world that I've never been in before, and I was always, <laughs> as an athlete, I couldn't stand Twitter. I kind of wondered why players would have Twitter and allow fans an opportunity to fire back or the. I get it that you want your voice to be heard, but I just couldn't understand why somebody wouldn't want to keep up that little boundary that we have between the athletes and everybody on the outside. Um, but now that I'm no longer a competing athlete, I kind of feel like maybe I need to step into that role. Maybe I need to have a Twitter account, but at the same time, it's hard after all these years of saying I'll never do it. And now 
looking like I might have to. So I, I don't know. We'll see. When I, when I was living with Austin Collie, that was he was always on my case about that. You always be like, bro, <laughs> why are you not on Twitter? Come on, bro, get with the times. Yeah, I, I know oh. that uh, BYU Sports Nation would be excited if you jumped on Twitter. So we're very excited uh, for you to start that this afternoon, uh, and then we'll push We need that. to work on a Twitter handle for John Beck, potentially. Put our collective heads together across BYU Sports Nation to come up with something awesome, if you decide to do it. I do have an Instagram account, so I would probably just go with the same one as my Instagram account. Don't they, like, link up or something like that? I don't really you know You can link everything. them up, but you don't have to have the same username. What? Gotcha. I was going to ask you what your Instagram username account is, but I don't know that you want everyone staring at your photos. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. I keep it private anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Maybe when I throw out my Twitter one, uh, then everybody will know, because they'll probably be the exact same. Gotcha. Okay, uh, uh, our Twitter question today is this. We were talking about how East Carolina is an interesting matchup, a good team, maybe an overlooked team to some BYU fans. So our Twitter question today is this. What level of concern do you have for the East Carolina game? What do you think, John? Um, I don't think concern would be a word that I would, you know, put with it. I think that um, with where our team's at, uh, you know, I, I think more offensively on the offensive side of the ball, uh, because we have a young quarterback, I don't really think it needs to be so much about what the other team does, but just a, a constant focus on what we do and what we do well. It's, it's what I really liked about this uh, UConn game last week. I felt like they came up with a plan that I could see Tanner feel comfortable with, and they had a lot of success running it. And I think that moving forward, I think that needs to be the emphasis. Just what can we continually do well, and then can the defense stop it? And let's not concern ourselves with them. And maybe from a defensive standpoint, maybe uh, East Carolina does some things offensively that could be a concern. I know that uh, I, I saw some things that Kelly Papinga had said when they have a pretty dynamic uh, player on offense. It might be one of the best players that they've faced this year. So, Maybe from that standpoint, they need to be concerned with, okay, can we stop them offensively? But I think from our offensive standpoint, let's just continually focus on improving daily what we do well, and then can they stop what we do well? John, back with us on BYU Sports Nation, discussing East Carolina at BYU on Saturday. And what better way to learn about your team than watching them play an actual game? The most recent game BYU had, a 30-13 to win over UConn. What did you take away from that, that game? Good fourth quarter, but kind of a weird first three quarters, John. Yeah, well, you know, I really liked what we did offensively. You could tell there was an emphasis on getting Tanner outside the pocket, um, almost to a point where, okay, we, we've got him outside the pocket enough, and you can tell that you know, we've had some things that he likes. We can kind of move on to some other aspects as well. I felt that uh, just by the way I saw Tanner's feet and eyes moving, uh, he knew what he wanted to do on almost all of those plays. Um, you can kind of tell in a quarterback if he's confident or not in what he's seeing and if he's not confident just by the way his feet and head moves. Um, and I felt like UConn was making sure that they weren't going to give up anything mid-range. They made an emphasis of that. And something I really liked that Tanner was doing is Tanner wasn't just banging out the quick short throws that he knew he could get, especially the ones on the run. He knew he had a short little 5 to six-yard game out in the flats, but he was constantly taking his time to see if something could develop downfield then coming back to that first guy. Um, sometimes a quarterback will come out of the pocket, he knows he's got a five- or six-yard game, and he just bangs it right away. But you could tell that Tanner has played a game out on the edge before because the way that he was using his eyes, the way that he was coming back, his, his, uh, could, it could have been his primary progression. A lot of the times we, we called that one-two-one. 
you have your one, you know it's there, or maybe it's covered. You go to two, then you come back to one. And you can do that if he's open or if he's not open. And one of the best in the NFL is Tony Romo. And so I saw a lot of the similarities there with what Tanner was doing, and I felt like to have a game where he threw the ball close to 50 times, completed 30-plus passes, I think that's great for his development. Where have you seen him make the most progress from the first time he took a snap as a Division One athlete at Nebraska to now playing against UConn as he heads into East Carolina? Well, um, you know, it's funny because the TV announcers would the last couple games have sometimes said maybe BYU is getting him out on the edge because sometimes he's hanging in that pocket a little bit too much. And they took that as a negative, but I took that as a positive because uh, most young quarterbacks want to bail the pocket early. And sometimes we saw Tanner do that a little bit in his first couple games. And what that stems from is a quarterback being confident in his ability to escape the pocket and make a play outside the pocket. So it's a very positive thing. A lot of quarterback coaches like the fact that a young quarterback gets outside of the pocket and makes a play because it shows their confidence in their legs and their ability to make a play on the run. And the fact that he was staying in the pocket sometimes a little too long, I actually like that because here's a kid that's been out of the pocket for a few years. So the only way to get more used to it is to have times where you stay in a little too long and then you go back and you say, okay, you know what, I stayed in there a little bit too long. But at least it gives the opportunity to find out how much can I stay in this pocket. So I like it. I think that the times that we saw Tanner Bale a little too early, uh, those are starting to go away. And now the times that, yes, he did sometimes stay in a little too long, I think now I can sense that he's getting a little bit better feel for it. And what he'll then develop is he'll have certain plays that are check down throws, backs out into the flat, and it's a feeling. So he's no longer having to rely on his progression to get him to the people in the flat or to get him to the check down. It becomes a sense around him, almost a sixth sense. The pocket's collapsing. I don't have time to continue through my progression, and now I, boom, I go right to number three, and I get the ball out quick. And, you know, that's one of the traits. Uh, even when I was in the NFL, guys used to talk about Ty Detmer. I was doing a thing with uh, the Saints one time, and Sean Payton talked about one of the things that made Ty Detmer so good that they actually called it the Detmering it was that he had a feel for, I can't sit here and hang on and go through my progression, boom, and I pop it out into the flat. And I sense that that's, that's coming now for Tanner. And, you know, it'll take, take more time, and there'll still be times that he'll hang in the pocket too long, and there'll still be times it gets out too soon, but I can see the progression starting. That's ama- it's amazing the influence that Ty Detmer has had in the NFL. I know Michael Vick used him as – they had him as a third-string quarterback and just as a coach, and now you're telling that story. That, that's amazing. Now, I, I digression a little bit here, John. We, we threw out – maybe you're going to – you know, jump on Twitter. So I threw out a tweet at the beginning of this interview saying, what's the handle? We've had some good uh, options here. I want to see what you think of these. Uh, finds his guy, could be one. Uh, not Jason is another one. Uh, <laughs> Red one. Menace 12. Answered prayer, go long. Quarterback. Ooh, I like that one. What do you think of that one? You know, quarterback, somebody at BYU back when I was there made a little poster that said quarterback. And that's actually... Uh, I've been a little. I had a little marketing thing called quarterback back when I was in the NFL. So that, that, that's been around. Maybe I will go to that. Okay. Uh, at Joe Beck twelve is available um, until some somebody grabs it here in a second. At Harleen is still open. Yeah, finds his guy. I, I think <laughs> Vic Soto just weighed in. He said John's new Twitter handle should be Lepra John, aka the throwing redhead. And he tweeted the photo of you with the mullet with the Ravens. <laughs> Oh. First off, I just got to let everybody know, the whole mullet thing, 
I gave my six to it was my job to cut my my son's hair. He was probably like two, maybe. And my wife's like, go and cut his hair. Well, he had his hair pretty long, and I said, you know what? All my life when I was a kid, I wanted a mullet with those little lines on the side, and my mom would never let me. So I thought, you know what? I am going to give a mullet to my I cut his hair. I brought him out into the front room, and my wife said, absolutely not. You trim the rest of it off right now. And I was like, I can't do it. i got to leave it on. So then I thought, you know what? If I'm giving him a mullet, why can't I have a mullet, too? I'm doing this. So then I had a mullet, and it kind of became like a funny thing between my wife and I, between my son having one, me having one. But then Chris Cooley at the Redskins was like, yo, that looks sweet. You need to let it go the rest of the season, and let's see how long it can get in the back. So that's how it became like this. Don't cut it till the season's over. Players on my team, my son had a mullet, I had a mullet. That's how it went. And then it just kind of kept going, kept going, kept going. It was fun, but... I'm not somebody that's like, i got to go have a sweet bullet now for the rest of my life. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody needs to work some of that crazy hairstyle out of their system, right? I mean, listen, it was, I loved Lenny Dykstra's mullet hanging out of the back of his batting helmet when he made the Phillies, and I wanted it so bad, but I decided to do it. But, you know, I could have picked a probably a little bit better time than walking around during pregame warm-ups with uh, having that thing flowing, so... BYU's got a good group of receivers, John. Uh, it seemed like uh, Tanner Mangum found them, obviously, better than the Michigan game, but used them uh, and more down the field uh, than, say, the UCLA game. And, and game plans you know, dictate a little bit of how you, how you manage that. But how should Tanner Mangum take advantage of these receivers, in your opinion? Well, um, you know, just looking back on when I had Coach and I, Coach and I's philosophy is definitely a – Move the chains type philosophy. We were really big on, you know, third down, setting ourselves up for a manageable third down and completing that third down pass. But, you know, as I was able to grow in the offense, I found ways um, to get more chunk plays, to do some things that I'm sure Tanner will get to as he progresses to the quarterback. So I think from Coach and I's standpoint, he wants to manage the short intermediate passing game. That's where he wants to be really, really good. He wants his quarterback and offense to function well there because he understands the importance of staying on the field and moving the chains. Now, to have the type of receivers, those big body guys like we have, that's something that I can't say that he's had, you know, oh, he's had that in his past. He's had all that experience before. So um, to utilize them as another dimension. And, I, you know, I'm sure that they're probably learning more and more what they have with a player like Nick Kurtz. Mitch has been there. They know what they have in Mitch. They're probably finding more. But I'll tell you this, though. I know that everybody wants to see, oh, get the ball downfield to these guys, or why aren't we running fade routes with these guys? And you can only do so much. If the defense isn't giving you opportunities for that, you just can't do it. You can't force those plays. It doesn't make sense. I remember as a young player, I loved trying to find opportunities to get the ball downfield. I came from a high school where we were a major down-the-field team, and I had to learn how to not be so much of a chuck it down the field because I just want downfield plays to happen. And, you know, it works sometimes for us, but when you look at completion percentages, when you look at third-down conversion rates, teams that do that, that force things downfield trying to make a play, they don't stay on the football field as much. So I think that if a team's not giving them the opportunity, there's only so much they can do. Connecticut was going to give everything underneath. That's the way they were going to play the game. UCLA wanted to force BYU and Tanner. Can Tanner 
move the ball down the field consistently, move the chains consistently, because they had seen before that against Boise, uh, they didn't move the chains as well in the beginning of the game, except they relied on a couple 30-19 bombs. So I think the way to utilize the receivers still is philosophically. Do they give you an opportunity, but then when they do give it to you, get, you know, to utilize their, their height, their size. That ball that Mitch Matthews cut the end zone the other day, that ball was thrown because it was Mitch. Uh, but it worked, and there will be opportunities to do that. There will be opportunities to say one-on-one with the corner, that's Mitch, let's throw it. John, great to have you on the show, and we're excited to have you as part of our weekly BYU Sports Nation crew, man. We appreciate the time. Always, guys. I'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. John Beck with us on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, your values, your timeline, your financial future. Some of those, some of those Twitter handle uh, ideas are fantastic. At quarterback. I can guarantee that he 12. will get serious Twitter love, and there will be more of that mullet going out on social media. Once he joins the fun. If you haven't seen that mullet, I've retweeted Vic Soda. You've got to see this picture. It's, it's something, that's for sure. Up next, the head coach of East Carolina, Ruffin McNeil. Why he will be your other favorite coach besides what we have at BYU after this interview. BYU Sports Station brought to you in part by the Cougar Club, supporting BYU's 623 student-athletes. Welcome to the club. Countdown to kickoff is live at 6.30 Eastern time this Saturday as we get you set for BYU and East Carolina. Nowhere else can you watch BYU warm up in the royal blue uniforms as well. Check it out Saturday, 6.30 Eastern time, countdown to kickoff. Recapping today's BYU Sports Nation top headlines. Former BYU running back and NFL star Vice Sikahema has been named a member of the Polynesian Football Hall of Fame's 2016 class. Sikahema, two-time Pro Bowl selection in the National Football League. Jimmer Fredette is back in action tonight. The San Antonio Spurs begin their preseason play against the Sacramento Kings, the team that was the rookie season and subsequent two other seasons for Jimmer Fredette. That's at 10 Eastern time. It's his revenge tour in Sacramento. Let's just hope he makes the team first. The 15th-ranked BYU women's volleyball team has a road match tonight at Pacific. You can watch it on ESPNU starting at 11 p.m. Eastern. And women's golf leverages the karma to victory. They won the Aggie Invitational and Las Cruces on the back of three top-five finishes from Cougar golfers. Kendra Dalton was on the show last week. She finished in second. Alex White as well. And Rose Huang tied for fourth. Kendra tweeted at us yesterday, the karma works. Yes, it does. That's exactly She's right. a testament to that. Joining us now on BYU Sports Nation via the Deseret First Credit Union hotline, now for the second time as the head coach of the East Carolina Football Pirates, Ruffin McNeil. Coach, welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Mr. Jerem, thanks for having me on again. Good, good, good hitting you guys again. Thank you. You know that one of the highlights of the show was when you revealed to us that you called Robert and I Robbo. And uh, we, we got a good laugh out of that. Have you spoken with Coach and I this week? No, not yet. Not yet. I know he's busy, just like we are here. But uh, listen, I'm looking forward to seeing him. Uh, Erlene and Liani uh, and I, they've already they've been uh, back and forth this week. So, Provo, you will have no more retail items left when those two get together. <laughs> we will, they will buy all the items in Provo, so get ready to, <laughs> have to restock. They have talked all week and – I'm looking forward to seeing Robbo and seeing Babe. Yeah, I'm looking forward to him. More concern about your credit card bill or BYU? <laughs> credit, 
card right now. I mean, just honestly, yeah, the Broncos got a great team, but I, I'm not looking at my credit card. I know already they've talked numerous times. They got uh, – Liani has an itinerary, so she knows what time Arlene's getting there, and they will definitely uh, patrol – throughout Provo, maybe even go over to Salt Lake City. That's dangerous. Salt Lake City back to Provo. So I look forward to I'm looking forward to that bill there in another month. <laughs> <laughs> we are putting all shops on notice right after this interview ends. <laughs> we are with Ruffin McNeil, the head coach of East Carolina on BYU Sports Nation. Coach, you've had an entertaining football program to watch this year. Close loss at Florida. Beat a good Virginia Tech team. 3-2 coming into Provo. How would you evaluate your team after five games? Well, you know, you learn a lot. Each team is different. The personality of each team is different. And um, this team, we talked earlier, uh, this team is, uh, we have a lot of quiet leaders. They're not, a, they just go about their business. They play extremely hard, but there's no dominant leader. They all get leadership within the groups, and but they're great. Great, great, a great bunch of a, a, a bunch of great guys and great kids, and I absolutely love them. And the staff is really doing a great job of coaching them up. I just try to stare their way, but we, we've, uh, you know, we keep growing. We lost our quarterback, just like you guys have uh, before the season. I know, and uh, we had new guys in place. Uh, the guys have rallied around the two quarterbacks, Blake and James, and they're great teammates. So that was good to see the team concept we've talked about. Uh, from, for six years now is, is in place and they believe in the team first, last, and always. So that was very important. Um, we've had some re- very physical games. This will be the sixth physical game, I know, with, with BYU. Just really physical and, and uh, we're trying to make sure we keep guys uh, healthy as we possibly can. Uh, they have... Uh, We've been behind, so they've had to face adversity. And the uh, first couple of times, we, we had to learn how to react from the punch. So um, we're just trying to keep getting better. We've got a long season ahead. We begin uh, conference play after this after BYU game. And uh, so we have to make sure we just keep getting better. Who do you plan on starting this Saturday, Coach and Quarterback? Well, both of them. You know, like we've, been, we've we rotated both of them, and that's. I was just talking to David Nickel. As a matter of fact, right when you guys call, and uh, we just we keep giving them equal reps. And the first time I've had had to do this, probably well in six years, but they get along so well, guys. I mean, they they. Uh, and if it divided the team, we we wouldn't do it. Or if it was, you know, something. But they really have different talents. They complement one another. They. Uh, make each other better, and they make our team better. Uh, so uh, we'll keep rotating like we have in the past. Ruffin McNeil, the head coach of ECU, with us on BYU Sports Nation. When you look at your personnel, a lot of attention gets paid to the quarterback of every football team, and we've heard some of the star players named Bryce Williams, your tight end, Zeke Bigger, good player as well. Who's the most underrated star on your team right now, a guy that deserves respect that maybe isn't getting it, Coach? Uh, that's a good question. I would say maybe uh, one of our – I'm big on the big guys, uh, the offensive line and defensive lines. I would say offensively probably the two guards, J.T. Boyd and Quincy McKinney, they've done a great job just being steady and, and older guys and working on defense. Uh, it would be probably Terrell Stanley, uh, just real quiet and, get, and just go about their business. You know, you don't hear much from them. And then uh, I would say um, – by Jonathan White, those two guys, the big guys up front, those guys don't get much, but they've done a good job as older guys and and uh, helping helping lead within their how they in, in in their own way. 
When you look at uh, what you've done on third down, it's been impressive. 55% leads the country this season. Why, why have you guys been so successful on third down? Well, um, you know, it's one of the things we, we've emphasized. And, 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 you know, we've talked about, you know, and, you know, when you've, you've been in a long time, you know, you got to have great first down control on offense and defense. And then you have to be able to convert on offense third down and, and convert on defense. You have to fill on defense on third down. Just like, you know, I, I watch, I've been watching – BYU till I'm crazy right now watching their defense get around, fly around, and the tall receivers and have Terrence throwing the ball around to them. But you just have to execute and, and competitive plays. That's a competitive. All downs are competitive, but third downs are competitive down, and you have to make sure you you're ready to compete. And, and uh, we've been fortunate, you know. So we just have to keep we have to, have to keep doing that. While third down success is one of the strengths of this team, obviously, what do you feel like is the biggest question mark? For East Carolina football right now. Well, just and I mentioned earlier, it sounds simple, but to make sure we keep improving uh, fundamentally is a big thing. I talked to them yesterday, the kids, and make sure we keep our fundamental emphasis and, and execution. I think that's key and and consecutive execution. You know, uh, how many plays in a row on defense, special teams, and offense can we consecutively execute? That'll be the biggest thing that we we've been we've been for, working on really through the first five games. How do you incorporate pirate culture into East Carolina football, Coach? <laughs> the pirate culture, well, it's, it's uh, for me, coming back, it's, and I, I came here at 17 years old to play. Um, it's family. Uh, I believe in that, and that's, I was raised in a teacher's home, both my parents, and our home was a boarding home for teachers. Um, I believe in the family atmosphere. Coach uh, Pat Dow was my college coach, and he he was family. So coming here, family is the biggest thing I would describe. And when they come here, I'm their dad. When they come here, and Erlene is Miss Erlene. That's her. She's our mom, and I really believe in that. And then it, it it's not about individuality here. It's just about the team concept and making sure we understand that the the team is most important, not individually. No egos or entitlement are allowed here. And just like everywhere, but here especially, uh, you have to do extra things to be extraordinary. You have to do the extra things. We, you know, you you have to do whatever it takes. You gotta you do whatever is off the field, on the field. Doing extra items and extra things, and have a lot of pride and a passion about doing it. Coach, I don't know if by default in your contract, because there is a college football game on Halloween this year, do you do you have to dress up with an eye patch or as a pirate? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I don't. I don't do that. I, I, I tell you what, that's one thing here. This is the. I tell you right now, this is people come from all around to Greenville for to have to, to celebrate Halloween here. It's amazing. They come from. I mean, I mean that too, guys. They come all the way. So that's the weekend we really on our guys to be careful and not go out because they come from all around to celebrate uh, Halloween here. But uh, I, you know what I do? On Halloween, I go home and I pass out candy. I do that. I'm very, that is very big. And you better have an uh, outfit on when you come to my house. You know, the, the trick-or-treaters, the older people, the older kids come with T-shirt and jeans. They don't get any candy. No, you got to come dressed <laughs> up to my house. And I, go, I do, you know, and it's, I do, I've been doing it. I say, you know, guys, it's Halloween. Don't come to my house with a bag and, uh, and, and a T-shirt and a you don't have a uniform on or a mask and a T-shirt. Come dressed up and you get a bunch of candy. I, I do that. I pass out candy. Uh, that's a big deal of mine. I do on, on Halloween. You got to show up with your game face on at Ruffin McNeil's house. And I'm bringing a pillowcase, Coach. <laughs> you, 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 pillowcase. 
suitcase and dress up. I tell you right now, I will load you so full of candy if you do that. And you <laughs> have an exciting. You you'll have sugar uh, sugar buzz for like months with me. I load you up. Coach, always a pleasure to talk to you. We look forward to seeing you on Saturday and uh, certainly look forward to a good football game between East Carolina and BYU. Oh, me too, guys. Spencer, Jeremy, thank you for having me on, and I look forward to seeing you guys too. Thank you. One in a million. Ruffin McNeil on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. He's Deseret great. First, your values, your timeline, your financial future. He's great. Um, he didn't exactly answer the question of who's going to start. They're going to play both, I guess. He played his cards well. Yes, he did. He must play cards. Um, but yeah, his uh, Halloween, his Halloween. <laughs> I'm I'm serious about the pillowcase thing. Show I'm, up I'm when you meet him with the pillow. I'm taking my two year old girl around. I don't even know if she's a princess or something. We'll figure it out. I want to roll her around as R two D two maybe. Oh, he's what great. Like I'm telling, yeah, sure. I'm telling you, you will root for ECU and Ruffin McNeil after Saturday. He, it's hard not to like that guy. Brian Logan said, "I'll run through a guy for that guy, or run through a wall for that guy, and a guy, I guess." Yeah. With the generous support of the Cougar Club, BYU's 623 student-athletes are role models, leaders, graduates, and champions. Be willing to help them succeed with your donation, and welcome to the club. Up next, it's time to divvy out the BYU Sports Nation karma. Once again, to BYU women's soccer, Stephanie Ringwood making her show debut. BYU Sports Station presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Spencer Linton, Jerem Jordan, live from Studio B. Remember... If you miss an episode of the show live, rebroadcast airs weeknights on BYU TV at 6 p.m. Eastern. And live tomorrow night, women's soccer is back on BYU TV. They take on San Diego, a West Coast Conference clash, 9 Eastern time on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Important game for the Cougars without Ashley Hatch, who is still injured. Our Twitter question today, what level of concern do you have for the ECU at BYU football game on Saturday? Continue to send in those responses using the hashtag BYUSN. Joining us now, guest number three on this Thursday and making her Studio B debut, Stephanie Ringwood, defender, sophomore for BYU women's soccer, the fifth-ranked team in the country. Stephanie, welcome to the show. Okay, are you aware of the BYU Sports Nation karma? Have your friends given you (laughs) the idea of what happens here? I have heard of the karma. Okay. But I've heard that you score a goal. But I'm a center back, so I don't know if that's going to (laughs) happen. Not with that attitude, it won't. Um, good, it's it's good vibes, basically. Okay, okay? like something good will happen for you. Okay. So if you're Just a center a back, game. great clearances, okay. a shutout, block a goal, maybe block a goal. Yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. Okay, I I would expect that if I was you, actually. Okay, but you expect that every game. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so there's no coincidence. We bring on good players and they play. You know, you, you see where it's going. You're gonna have a good game, anyways. Now let's talk about that for a second. You've only given up four goals this season as a defense. Mm-hmm. That's an amazing statistic through 12 games. How has that happened? Um, I think a large part is just our goalkeeper, Boaz. She's incredible. And when we do let someone shoot, she'll always, we always know that she can save it. But I don't – we just have a solid back line. And our whole team plays defense. So it starts with the forwards, midfield, and then the defenders and – it's just been a good year. Now, one of the concerns coming into the season was how would that defensive back line perform? We saw the offensive striking power last year. Mm-hmm. Basically, all of it returned. And so the question mark was was the defense. Well, now that you've only given up four goals through 12 matches, I mean, what what does that tell? What should people be giving more credit to the BYU defense on the soccer team than they are? I mean, as a defender, I think... 
like all defenders, it's just natural for a position to get overlooked just because people want to see goals. People, that's what they care about. The stats, they care about the goals. But I think we've been getting a lot of credit for what we've been doing. So I feel like accomplished. I don't know. It's, yeah. And one of those validating accomplishments, uh, not only is 10-1-1, but you're ranked fifth in the country. Do, do you like being ranked fifth in the country? What does that mean to you? Yeah, I I like being ranked. I think it's cool to see our name everywhere and see that we're one of the top five teams. But it personally doesn't feel like we're a top five team. I, I mean, I I don't know. I just don't even feel like I'm a college athlete still. So <laughs> <laughs> that probably adds to it. But so, it's so, like shocking. I don't know. So you're not you're not feeling like disrespected per se. You're just naive to the ranking or what i mean like i know we're like ranked and i'm like oh that's so cool but like i mean we when we go into training and practice and everything our coaches are always like pushing us to not settle so they're always like even though like we've had an awesome year like we can't settle for what we are we have to keep pushing and keep getting better so when you're constantly trying to get better you still feel like more or less like the underdog who's trying to get up which i think has helped us reach fifth because we have that mindset yeah that's that's a great explanation i assure you that this interview uh, interview is real you you are <laughs> you are college athlete. a division here. one college athlete <laughs> this is actually happening right now stephanie ringwood byu sophomore defender is with us in studio b do you feel pressure as the fifth ranked team in the country um yeah i think we definitely have like a target it's like every game I mean, when people play us, they're like, oh, we're playing... Like, when we played Stanford, we were like, oh, we're playing, like, the number two team. Like, you have more incentive to beat them because it'll bump you up more. And so I think us being five puts a target on us. And then since we've done well, we want to keep doing well. So it's like we have something to lose if we were to go down since we've made it this far. And there's an opportunity if you guys continue to play really well that you could host some NCAA tournament games, so that's on the line as well. Yeah. Um, when, when you look at the defenders, there's this tradition that goes back from before when you got here. Um, I don't know how long it's been going, but tell us about, tell us about spitting as a group on the field. <laughs> what, what is that, and what do you guys – what is that? Yeah, to be honest, I don't really know why we do it. I just – when I became a defender, they're like, okay, this is what we do, this is what you say, and then we spit after. And I was like, okay, so – So after you're on the field, starters have been announced, and we're showing some video on BYU TV. The goalie and the four defenders, you lean over – you say something, uh-huh. and then you, then you spit. Why, why are you spitting? Is it a turf <laughs> thing? This is our turf? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why we spit, but we do. Like you're, so. like you're marking your territory like a bear or something? Like it's, I really, I wish I knew, but I don't. Is it a secret saying? Is this something that you I can't mean, reveal? No. <laughs> we like all say something. What, every every person does? Yeah, I say two things. Like a rant? Is it random? Or no, it... it's like we have like a set. Like I think I can share this. I don't think this is a secret. I don't know. But like we'll say, I don't even remember what the other people say. I think it's left side, strong side. I say right side, bom- back side, bomb side, and then rage side. I think that's... I know I say right side it's like a and bomb the side. Moment, it kind like. uh, yeah, and then we. Spit. <laughs> yeah. I don't really know what it means, yeah. but yeah, it's what oh, we do, and it's worked. So that's fun. I think we need to start spitting on our set. Yeah, well. yeah. Nope. yeah. <laughs> Left side. No. Okay. Right side. <laughs> we can't do that. We will okay, not we won't. do that. We won't. Stephanie, good luck tomorrow night against San Diego. 
we uh, we we now officially dub you at the BYU Sports Nation karma. Oh yeah, thank you. The Gregorian chants are now raining down, and you will perform well against San Ready Diego. To score a goal. So. Oh yeah, she wants to score a goal. Look <laughs> she at that. Goal. <laughs> See how the attitude changes beginning. She's like, I don't know. You know I'm the center back. Now she's like, I'm going to score. Just be super aggressive on corner kicks around the goal. <laughs> yeah. Something good Listen, will happen. They'll cover you on the back end. Don't worry about getting back just on a corner. All that matters is the goal. Yes, yes. Stephanie, great to have you with us. Thank you. Up next on BYU Sports Station, the Cougar Whip Around Plus. Who deserves the elite tweet of the day? I like the pirate accent one from at Cisco Rue. I like anyone that spits now, I guess. Okay. BYU Sports Station presented in part by DexterLaw.com. Help when you need it most. Let's live it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Football. Former BYU running back Vi Sikahema has been named a member of the Polynesian Football Hall of Fame's 2016 class. He'll be inducted in January. Sikahema was a two-time Pro Bowl selection in the National Football League. Jimmer! <laughs> so good. Jimmer for debt. And the San Antonio Spurs begin preseason play tonight against the Sacramento Kings of all teams, 10 p.m. Eastern. Volleyball. The 15th ranked Cougars have a road match tonight at Pacific on ESPNU at 11 Eastern. Golf. BYU Women's Golf wins the Aggie Invitational. On the back of three of the top five finishes from Cougar golfers Kendra Dalton, Alex White, both tied for second, while Rose Huang tied for fourth. Softball. The Cougars beat Utah Valley in the University Parkway Series 7-3 yesterday, led by Lauren Bell's three RBIs as she had a homer short of the cycle. Cross country. Freshman Alice Jensen named the WCC Runner of the Month after taking first at the West Coast Conference preview. Tennis. Shane Monroe was eliminated from All-American Tournament qualifying after losing to USC's Max Devroom. Tennessee is uh, Tennessee. Tennis is in action at Utah, the Utah Invitational today. I assume that means the women's team. Future guests, ESPNU analyst, former Boise State Colorado head coach Dan Hawkins will be live with us from Deseret First Credit Union tomorrow on the live remote. Go play intramurals, brother! Today's Rise and Shout brought to you by Dexter and Dexter Help when you need the most. DexterLaw.com. It's going right back to the BYU women's golf team. Yeah, they brought it. Awesome. Our elite tweet of the day. What level of concern do you have for the ECU game? At K. Sampson, Dad says 6.0 like an earthquake. Little damage done. Your city's still standing when it's over, and it's made the news. Nicely done. I don't want a 6.0 earthquake. Thanks to John Beck, Ruffin McNeil, Stephanie Ringwood, everyone on the crew. For Jeremiah Spencer, shout out to Antoine Harris.